Um, well, good morning. So Jeff and I have been struggling with infertility for about four years. Um, and at the beginning, <clears throat> it really didn't affect our ability to be joyful or happy, at least not for me. Um, I was still able to be like genuinely celebratory with friends and, um, and not jealous. And then after the years passed and friends started having like their second child and then their third child, um, I began to be just deeply sad. And joy was a huge struggle. Um, it meant, I think first, like the first little prick was that loss of community. Like these were girls that I had gone to college with. We went through seasons of singleness with. Um, we started our own businesses at the same time. And so just had been through so much. And to not be able to sort of participate in that season with them was just really difficult. Um, and then, then kind of came that like realization that, oh my gosh, we're not creating our own little community among ourselves. And so um, it just sort of felt like there's this film strip of the seasons of life that were sort of passing in front of me and I wasn't able to like move along with it or participate with it. Um, and so this past year in particular has just been really sad for us and really lonely. Um, infertility isn't the kind of thing that like even if you've confided in people, people are always like asking about for obvious reasons. And you know, that's totally understandable, but it's just meant um, a very isolating and very sad kind of experience. And so, um, so yeah, so joy is something that has been a bit of a struggle for us. And for me, it's been uh, a lack of control. I mean, my innate response to when there's a problem is to try to fix something uh, for us, for Megan. Um, and as we've spoken with doctors and specialists, uh, there was nothing that they could really point out to fix. Um, you know, as we looked at different options of fertility treatment and adoption and IVF, they all had paths of uncertainty, just long, long paths, and really cha challenged me to look at life as what, what would life possibly look like without a family, and think about what God has for us, what are those joys that he could have for us. So um, all that to say, like we come in, I think talking about joy is something that this has been a place of, of pain and joy has been a struggle to kind of attain and grasp. And I know a lot of us are going through really difficult, hard things. Um, and joy can feel like a luxury. It can feel like something that's like sort of just over there for other people that you can never quite get your hands on. Um, and so if you're anything like us, there's maybe a few things that you do um, out of the flesh to sort of get at joy. Um, and I'm really guilty of sort of damage controlling my own heart, like turning off that feeling, not thinking about it, um, because feeling is just too painful. And like, how much, how much more can I take? So it's like with each, which, with each sort of like wave of emotions, I just sort of shut it down. Um, and the problem with that has really been when you shut down your ability to feel, you really shut down your experience to, um, to, to feel joy as well. And so um, that, quite, that didn't quite feel right, so we like knocked up against that. And then um, I think I'm also guilty of like trying to fix things. And I am like generally of the like perspective that you can always improve your life and your circumstances, right? That like, um, like there might be a problem with me, but I can work on that. Like I can, I can work harder and I can get healthier. And um, it's really this attempt to control things. Um, 
And what happens is when you sort of reach the end of that control rope is you turn towards God and God becomes this uncooperative God that you're like, who are you? Where have you been? What are you doing? I don't understand. Uh, And I'm guilty of the if only trap. Uh, So really defining my current happiness by circumstances. If I had this relationship, if we had this money, if we had children, um, everything would be okay. And until we get that, we can't be satisfied or happy. And this is a very fragile way to look at life. Uh, It means that day-to-day happiness is really defined by your circumstances. uh, And um, when things go bad, when your circumstances don't work out, uh, you're unhappy or you're unsatisfied. And so the trouble with all of this, although I think like what we, how we probably process it is not like all that far off from the norm, um, the trouble is, it is, with, with, is with that is that we wrap our sort of earthly like definitions and expectations and feelings around joy. And joy isn't really meant to be an earthly thing um, because in this world we will have trouble. Um, John says. And when we look at the Bible, we really see um, a lot of hardships. We see people in prison, people getting persecuted from their faith, from like the prophets of the Old Testament to the the disciples in the New Testament. Like trouble is all around. And yet they seem to have this like deep rooted joy. And um, one of my favorite verses is when Paul talks about how he is perplexed but not driven to despair. And so that has really led me to think, like, what is this other, like, what is this joy? Um, and where are we kind of missing it? And that's the joy I want. And so just is because it's so overwhelmingly obvious in the Bible, I'm really forced to conclude that, like, joy is real and it is for me and it is attainable and it is not like this out there thing. Um, and I can dismiss that when I'm not, like, feeling particularly joyful. Um, But then I go back and see hundreds of references to joy, rejoicing, being rejoiced in by the Lord and being blessed. And so the truth is that despite my experiences of pain, um, joy is out there and joy is of the Lord. It's not of the earth and it's the real deal and it's for me. And so that has just been um, both encouraging and I think like mind shifting in the sense that like I need to sort of re- redefine what my understanding of actual joy is um and that there's also a process of like growing into it um so there's just a few things that i like that we see in the bible about joy and i think there's probably a lot more but the ones that we're really learning from right now are the ones that we'll kind of go over and the book of habakkuk has been um really important to us so i just want to read a verse from habakkuk 3 well it's verses 17 through 19 um So the first thing we really learn about joy is that adversity is required. Um, Joy without pain is just inexperience, quite frankly. I I just don't see any other examples of that. Um, So in Habakkuk, he says that even though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no foods, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. So adversity is required. It's in there, and joy is in there. Um, And when I look, when I take, like, the time and open my heart up to the idea that adversity 
that, that joy is in there with adversity, that it's almost required, I kind of see my own heart reflected back at myself. And I see that I kind of go for comfort and security and success. And those things are all sort of these earthly shadow joys. They're never the real thing. Um, and I also see that joy doesn't equal the absence of God, which um, is probably one of the most like fundamental truths of the gospel is that um, adversity doesn't equal that doesn't equal the absence of God, that he is present in adversity and he is the source of joy and the source of hope and peace and all of these things that we, that we desire. Um. Uh, also, we recognize that joy comes from the Lord. Uh, so before, everything before Habakkuk 3.17 tells like this story of just terrible circumstances. I mean, God is sending the Babylonians to destroy Judah and they're, this is like real life. This is like the, the Russians invading U.S. And, um, <laughs> and we, we have to deal with this. And uh, at the beginning of Habakkuk 3, uh, you know, this is just so important. Where it says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, uh, in our time, make them known. In wrath, uh, remember mercy. God came from Temin, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hands where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed, but, his march, but he marches on forever. I saw the tent of Cush and the, in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. <laughs> Habakkuk's pointing back to, Lord, you did this. We didn't do that. Uh, all this, he just continues on for the, the rest of uh, Habakkuk 3 up to 317 and just says, God is faithful in his nations in, in some of the darkest times. Uh, and he's brought our people out of slavery, uh, and he's put, brought us into battles where we've defeated um, other nations that are far more powerful. Uh, and he even points back to a reference where God stopped the sun for Joshua. I mean, this is just him saying, Lord, you have been and you will be. And uh, just he continues to remember. And you know, he remembers that God rescues us, that he delivers us, that he comes and grabs us. And we've got to remember that in order to rejoice. Um, and we've got to remember that it's not our idea. It's not our circumstances. Because my, my, my idea is my circumstances, my sin. And God shows up and says, no, those aren't the right ways. This is my way. And so remember and rejoice that God saves us. Um, and the third thing that we're learning about joy is that Christ really gives us permission to swap our pain um, for joy that he has to offer. So um, in Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God to comfort all those who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, 
and a garment of praise instead of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting for the day, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Um, and I just love, I love that passage. Um, that's Isaiah basically prophesying what it will be like, um, what, what Jesus will bring, the power and the hope and the restoration and the making of right that Jesus will bring. Um, and so I used to, it just, I feel like that verse has helped give me hope that there will be sort of this exchange and this swap happening. Um, and that, it, that it, it's something real. It's not just like this out there concept that we get that we can just hope for and never attain. Um, and it really has given me permission to kind of dive into this stuff and permission for depth. And I used to sort of think that people that were happy all the time um, were maybe a little superficial, that they, they didn't, they kind of over-damaged control, right? And didn't really dive into their own like stuff and process. Um, but when I read that chapter, it kind of tells me that joy is actually a very deep quality. So really we get to sort of trade the superficiality for our earthly ways of processing, like damage controlling my heart for like a much deeper, different sense of joy, um, that is not of the earth and of me, but it is of heaven. And it's sort of like this on earth as it is in heaven, um, thing that we get to grasp at, um, and that we get to be given really now. Um, and so th theologians call often refer to the gospel is the great exchange. Um, so this, this verse just talks about how all of our ashes will get beauty for that. Um, we'll get joy instead of mourning and we really get Christ instead of sin. It's like the ultimate big picture. Um, and so joy is really this fruit of the spirit. And just as like a, just as fruit is the product of a healthy plant, joy is the, the byproduct of God and the depth of the Lord, um, in our lives. And so it really is, um, like where we get that source of joy. Um, and I just love where it says like how it changes us, like we will become oaks of righteousness. And that is like a deep, strong, foundational thing. It's not just like, I think of like, you know, those used car lots where they have the blowers outside and the guys are like, you know, and they're like blowing every way about like the wind takes them. Like to me, that's like this being tossed about by the waves of the sea and being tossed about by the circumstances of life. And you're all over the place. And one minute you're up and the next minute you're down. Um, but these oaks of righteousness, they're rooted so deeply in the truths of the Messiah and the truths of the gospel that these storms can come and they can weather them just fine. And that doesn't mean that it's like an absence of pain or an absence of fear or hurt, but that in the midst of that, that there is this deeper, greater sense of truth and joy that we get to experience. And so if we sort of shut it off, like we've shut it off in a lot of ways, um, we never get to experience that, that depth really. And so there really is this like growing into it that we've, that the Lord has taken us on this process. Um, and it's been really hard, but really, um, also really good for us too. So, um, so uh, a couple of ways that we are um, finding joy through this process is first, we're going to remember everything that God has done. Uh, we're going to put markers out there and celebrate and count the blessings. Uh, so whether it's a, it's a day of the year, piece of jewelry, a memento, a picture, whatever it is, we're going to build altars all throughout this process to remember what God has done so that we can point back to that and remember it. Um, and then for me, one of the single most powerful things has been worship. Um, and it is kind of like taking on the opposite spirit, right, of, of depression. Um, there's something really sort of spiritual shift that happens 
um, when we worship. And that, that is like our ability to choose to swap, right? We are saying, Lord, I am going to choose to rejoice when I'm feeling very sad. I'm going to choose you over what I'm, I'm going to choose your, your truth, the truth of what, what Christ did over my own um, experience. I'm going to celebrate when I feel afraid. Um, and so when Habakkuk kind of digs his heels in and says, yet I will praise the Lord, um, there is this very strange sense of strength that comes from that. And it's like, that's the silver lining. Like that's the thing that leads to joy. And that's the thing that we, where we like, where heaven and earth kind of intersect. Um, and so worship has been extremely powerful for me. And I'm not talking like the like, oh yeah, like, like, oh, this is nice, Jesus. I'm talking about like, like just me and Pandora and lots of tears, you know, like sort of alone in my room, like doing the ugly thing sort of, sort of situation. But that has been extremely healing for me, um, and helped me reach the, um, uh, grow into, I wouldn't say I've reached it, but just grow into the way of, of joy. Um, and then the, the, the last thing that we've kind of committed to doing is feeling everything. And that's been really, really scary because there's a lot of icky feelings. Um, and I'm not talking about like self-pity feelings of indulgence, but I'm just talking about like being honest with myself and with other people and with the Lord about like how I really am doing. Um, and so one of the most surprising elements of joy that we've experienced from that is community. And that's kind of the thing that we like in our, in our anger and depression and sadness had felt like we were losing. And so, um, just like having people pray for us and having a support group, um, of, of friends that, that do care has been just the source of unexpected joy. Um, and it's been that real joy, and it's helped us grow. Um, and so I just, yeah, I just, um, the idea that that joy is this kind of superficial, unattainable thing, um, I think really can only be found by, like, going deep and doing and doing the deep work. Um, and then our ultimate joy, of course, is, is found in Christ, and it's only through Christ that we can experience that. So because um, it's Christmas, um, I thought we would do Luke 2, 8 through 11. It says, There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will be cause for great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this is like the central message of, of, of the Bible. This is what we hang our whole hat on, you guys, as believers. Like this is it. That like Christ is with us. That um, in Advent, we celebrate these things like hope and peace and joy and love. Um, and these are, we get to experience all of those things because Christ is our strong foundation and we're not blown about um, by all of these storms of life. Um, and then if we commit to being rooted in those things, um, that we really will experience um, that kind of heaven joy that we're created for. Um, and then we'll, like Paul will be able to say we are perplexed by things that happen to us, but not driven to despair.